Well, hello, God bless. Welcome back again to the Bible teaching channel of A Love Outreach. My name is Dave Nelson. Once again today, we are going to go ahead and take a look at the book of 1 Corinthians. And today we will be looking at chapter 15. So kind of, as I always say, if you are in a position where you can do so, um, please go ahead and grab your Bibles and open them up there to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I really uh, encourage you, it is my hope that um, you will make Bible reading a part of your life um, as much as you can uh, so that you may grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As we read 1 Corinthians chapter 15 right now, as we read this whole letter, this epistle, this book of the New Testament, 1 Corinthians, this is written by the Apostle Paul, and I've mentioned this before, but it is written to a group of believers in Jesus, those that have been born again of the Spirit, that live in the city, that lived at the time in the city of Corinth. And the Apostle Paul was uh, writing them, addressing different issues with them. Now, when you read the Bible and when you read a letter like this, for example, you'll find that Paul is kind of giving a response to certain things that he has heard or maybe a different letter, a different writing or something that had been, you know, uh, information that had been brought to him through one of the other apostles or, you know, one of other the others that traveled with Paul or worked with Paul, people like Timothy and Titus and those guys and all of that, you know, Apollos, you know, he... Paul got information from different people. So as we read this, it's kind of like we're reading someone else's mail, you know? So as you read it, you might not have the, the full picture. So you got to kind of read it within context and uh, be open to say, okay, what is it that Paul is addressing here? You know, as, as you're reading, whatever you're reading, you know, in the Bible here. But anyway, Getting into it here, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1, Paul says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand. Okay, so he's bringing, he's just reminding them of something here. Look, and he's saying, I'm declaring to you this gospel that I preached to you. Right. And he says, and you stand in this gospel. Now, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ today, you've been born again, you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you know, you've committed your, your way to him, then you are standing upon something. You are taking a stand upon the gospel of Jesus Christ, what is written in the pages of the Bible, okay? Um, and he says, by which, talking about this gospel in verse two, he says, by which also you are saved. Remember in another place in Romans, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel or the message, the good news about Jesus Christ. He said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. He said, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So the gospel message, that's why it's so important, because it is what brings people to salvation. You've got to hear this message. You've got to receive and believe this message, and then live your life following along in accordance to what is written in the gospel, what the things that Jesus said, the things that his apostles said, those that he personally chose to 
live and walk, you know, alongside of him during Jesus's earthly ministry here when he was here on the earth. Okay. But let's read on. Paul says, for I delivered to you, actually in verse two, I didn't finish it, by which also you are saved if you hold fast that which I preach to you. So there's Paul putting a qualifier on salvation. He's saying, you've got to hold fast to what I preach to you. You've got to stand in it. Again, going back to verse one, he's saying you received it and now you stand on it. In other words, you, you, you take a firm stance on the gospel, what is written, okay? And he says, and you got to hold fast to that. You got to stay that course, right? In order to be saved. He says, by which you are saved, right? He says, unless you believed in vain. So what does that tell you? There are people that can come to Jesus Christ, profess faith in Jesus Christ, and turn and walk away. And they believed in vain. It didn't get them to salvation. They didn't hold fast. They didn't stay the course all the way till the end. And he says in verse three, for I delivered to you first of all, that which I also received. So Paul's saying, look, here's what I know. Here's what I received. And I gave this to you. What is that? He says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. What scriptures did they have in those days? They didn't have what we have today. They didn't have this, you know, this canon of scriptures as we call it that we have today. But Paul is saying that in the scriptures that they did have in their day, they, you know, the, those books of the Old Testament that we have within our Bible today, they had most of them, right? They had those. And they're saying, he's saying that Christ died for our sins was written. In other words, it was prophesied of. It was going to happen according to the scriptures, he says. And he says on verse four, what else did he preach to them? What else did he deliver to these Corinthians? He said, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So Paul is saying, Jesus died for our sins. This is the gospel. He was buried, meaning he was dead, but he rose again from the dead. Okay, and Paul was struggling with and battling with a lot of people in his day that did not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Then verse five, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the 12, and that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once of whom the greater part remained to the present. In other words, up until the time Paul was writing this, those 500 people that saw Jesus after he rose from the dead, many of them were still alive. And he says, but some have fallen asleep, he says there in verse six. And he says, after that, he, speaking of Jesus, was seen by James, then by all the apostles. So there's multiple appearances of Jesus here, you know, to, um, you know, after he had risen from the dead, right? So then um, verse eight, then last of all, he was seen by me also, the apostle Paul says, as by one born out of due time. You know, Paul realized that he had been called by Jesus to do what he was doing. And he's in another place. He says he was separated from his mother's womb. 
to preach the gospel. He knew his calling. It was all about this. His whole life was going to be all about preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says, though, in verse 8 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 here, he says, For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle. Why? He says, because I persecuted the church of God. So Paul understood his wretchedness. And it's important in our lives that we understand our wretchedness as well. That we understand that there's nothing good about us. It's Jesus is good. God is good. And that's it. You know, and Paul looks back and says, yeah, I remember what I did. I remember who I was. This is who I was. And this is why I'm considered one of the least. But you know what? As we have our Bibles today, the majority of the New Testament was written by the Apostle Paul. He humbled himself. God raised him up and God used him. Okay. And he says in verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. He says, in other words, the grace of God has called me to be who I am and I'm doing what I'm doing. And he says, and his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was in me. So back there earlier, we saw... Um, in verse, where was it here? Let me back up. Do, 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 do. He says, by which, back to verse two, by which also, speaking of the gospel, right? By which also you are saved. He says, if, that's a big if there, if you hold fast the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. And then down here in verse 10, Paul says, the grace of God wasn't in vain on me. Why? Because he labored, he committed to it. He was focused on living the life that God had called him to. He was focused on doing the work that God wanted him to do. And he says, therefore, in verse 11, whether it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. So he's speaking directly to the Corinthians here again. And he's saying, hey, we preached the gospel to you. Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was buried. On the third day, he rose again. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. Verse 12. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Okay, so remember what I said earlier. Paul was battling with this type of, you know, thought that people did not believe that there was a resurrection from the dead. But Paul, but Paul's saying, look, I, Jesus rose from the dead and he was seen by hundreds of people multiple times, right? He says, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. So maybe this doctrine was creeping into the Corinthians lives here, the believers in Jesus Maybe they were hearing that, well, there's no resurrection of the dead. Maybe some of them were starting to believe it, you know, but he's saying, look, you received the gospel and in the gospel, it says Jesus rose from the dead. That is the fact of the gospel. That is the gospel message. That's part of it, right? So he said, and if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. 
So he's saying, look, do you realize what you're saying here? Do you realize what you're believing? You know, so it's important, right, that when you hear a doctrine or when you hear a teaching, it doesn't matter where you hear it from, some denominations, some non-denominations, some church guru, some big pastor, big name pastor, whatever the case may be, you got to be like a Berean. You got to go to the scriptures. You got to study it. You got to look at it yourself. And you got to say, wait a minute, does this even make sense to what I stand upon? Like in this case here with the Corinthians, they stood upon the gospel, what Paul preached to them, that Jesus died for their sins, that he was buried, that on the third day he rose again from the dead. So how does this doctrine that's coming in match up with what the gospel is? And that's what we need to do, right? We need to say, how does this match up with what is written? doesn't matter what it is. And you got to be careful because it's very easy to jump on some sort of pet doctrine, to put yourself in line and say, yeah, this is what I believe. This is what it is. And, and you, you end up, if you're not careful, being close to what is truth or what is written or blind or somehow distracted from what is actually written. Okay. Verse 15. Yes. And we are found false witnesses of God. Paul's saying, hey, if there's no resurrection of the dead, this is the deal, right? We're false witnesses because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up if, in fact, the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. That's a powerful statement right there. Again, Paul's refuting this whole idea in the first place, but it's a powerful statement that if Christ is not risen, then your faith is futile and you're still dead in your sins. So that is the main event, folks. Christ is risen from the dead. Yes, he died on the cross. Yes, he, he took the penalty of our sins. Praise be to God for that. But he's alive. He's risen from the dead. That's the main thing. And if not, then we're still in our sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. He says in verse 18, then verse 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable, right? Or another um, word could be miserable there. Or miserable, if not for Christ risen from the dead. Okay, but now Christ is risen from the dead, Paul's saying in verse 20. And has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. In other words, that's our hope now. We will rise again. We will ever be with him. Someday you're going to be absent from this body. And you're going to be present with the Lord, right? Hopefully, hopefully, if you've come upon this, you're watching, you're listening, whatever the case may be, you have given your life to Christ. You have believed the gospel. You have taken a stance for the gospel and you've received it and believed it. He says, for since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, right? We were born into this world. It's a fallen world. We walk in the way of sin. All have sinned. Everyone, all has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus has come along, right? But he says, 
but each, uh, where did I just leave off at? For in Adam all die, verse 22, even so in Christ shall all be made alive, but each one in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and all power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. I don't know if you've noticed, but we're not there yet. We're still in this fallen world. We're still in this place where we still have sin. We still have sickness, disease, murder, rape, all kind of stuff that's just evil. You know, as a result of being in this fallen world, but that, that's all going to come to an end, folks. We're going to ever be with the Lord. And it's all because Jesus is alive. He is risen. And he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, right? The last enemy will, that will be destroyed is death. Death will be no more. Verse 26, the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Verse 27, for he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is accepted. Who put all things under Jesus' feet? God, the Father. He's an exception here to being under the feet of Jesus, right? Now, when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all, okay? Otherwise... What will they do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead do not rise at all, why then are they baptized for the dead? So Paul isn't necessarily condoning this, you know, this, I'm um, losing a, can't think of the word here, but this practice, okay? He's not really condoning this, but people were doing this. And, and he's saying, look, look at everything going on. Why are you buying into this doctrine? that there's no resurrection from the dead, right? Look at what you, first of all, what you believe, the gospel itself. Look at what you stand. Look how you were born again. Look what you came to. Look at the new life that Christ gave you. Why are you buying into this doctrine? And again, we got to be careful of that type of thing even today. You know, there are wolves in sheep's clothing, there are people that appear like, oh, wow, yeah, he said some good things, so I'm going to listen to everything he said. You know, no, we, we have to be careful with that type of thing. But he's saying, where are you getting this whole idea? There's no resurrection from the dead. And why do you, he says, and why do we, in verse 30, stand in jeopardy every hour? You know, in other words, why would Paul be doing this? He's risking his life. They want to stone him to death. They want to kill him. Eventually, he will. They will kill him. Why is he putting himself in jeopardy for just this life? Just what you get out of this life? He said, that's, that's pitiable. That, uh, that'd be miserable if, it was, if that's all it's about. I affirm by the boasting in which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. If in the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage is it to me if the dead do not rise? Let us eat, drink, 
for tomorrow we die. He goes, why not just have that attitude? Let's just party on, dude, because, man, there ain't nothing. There ain't nothing else after this life. But that's not the case. But for some reason, like I said in the beginning, we're, we're like reading someone else's mail here. But it's easy when you read to kind of figure out what, he, what they were believing. You know, we don't know the other end of the story here, but we know what Paul is writing to them. He says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. So there you go, right? Who are you hanging around? Who are you listening to? What are you listening to? What are you letting go into your ears? What are you watching with your eyes? Is there something that's distracting you from the truth of the gospel? Is there something that's distracting you from the truth of what is written in the pages of the Bible? And again, it doesn't matter who it is. Doesn't matter how good they are, what name they have, how big of a church they have, how long they've been around, right? You've got to be careful. You've got to be careful what you're listening to and what you're watching and what you're hearing, the doctrine you are receiving. He says, awake. So it's like verse 34, like a slap upside the head, right? Wake up, fool, right? Awake to righteousness. You see what he gets right at? Awake to what? Righteousness. And he says what? And do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. In other words, live a life, right? Where others are seeing how you live. You're, you're living in righteousness. You care about the things of God. You care about the commands of the Lord. You, you're concerned to do what he wants you to do. So you're fleeing from sin. You're not practicing sin in your life because there's people around you that do not have the knowledge of God. He says, I'm speaking this to your shame. Again, that slap upside the head. Stop doing this. You know what you received. You know what the gospel message is. You know what you should be committed to. Verse 35, but someone will say, how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come? Verse 36, foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies, right? Picture a seed that you plant in the ground, right? I'm not much of a gardener, you know, or a farmer or anything like that, but I know that there's life inside of there, but that seed is done away with, right? It's planted in the ground, it dies, but then that new life comes out. And what you sow, you do not so the body that shall be, right? So when you plant a flower and that beautiful flower comes up, but it started out as a seed, that's not, the seed just didn't get bigger. And you say, oh, wow, look at that. It was small seed. Now it's the same exact seed, but it's bigger. No, it's, it's better. It's different. It's a new life. It's beautiful, right? And he says again, verse 37, and what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, Right? So we're talking about what will be, right? But mere grain, perhaps weed or some other grain. Paul uses that analogy, right? I'm using a flower. But God gives it a body as he pleases and to each seed its own body. So that's all in the hands of God. You know, if the Lord tarries, if this is not the last day, and if another hundred years go by, every one of us, that is listening to this right now is going to be gone. Our bodies will be put into the ground. You know, we'll be dead. We'll be gone. But God's going to give us something new. 
all flesh is not the same flesh, he says, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another of fish, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for one star differs from another star in glory. And then listen to this. He says, so also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. You see, I don't know if you, I'm sure you realize this, I'm, but this body is corruptible. It, it fails. What used to be up is down, right? It, it, it just falls apart. So it's going to be, it's corrupt. We're, we're corrupted now. We're going to head more and more toward that corruption as we get older. But it's, we're going to be raised in incorruption, it says. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in in power. So look at what we've heard in this chapter, right? Paul says he's the least of the apostles. Again, Paul recognized his wretchedness. He's teaching the Corinthians here. And as we read this, we're being taught that this body is corruptible. It's not about this life. This is not the best life now. It's about what is to come. And that's what we need to be doing. We need to be looking for a city whose builder and maker is God, okay? It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And, it, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. That's Jesus Christ, the life giving spirit. He will give you life. He gives life to all those who believe on him, who receive that gospel message that Jesus died for your sin, that he was buried, that on the third day he rose again, and who commit to him to be a follower of, of his. You put your hand to the plow. You don't look back. You now seek the kingdom of God and his what righteousness like Paul even says here, and you don't sin. You stop that. You repent from that. You turn from that, that you know, voluntary sinful life that you have where you choose to go out and sin. You repent. You turn from that, right? But he, So Paul's saying, verse 46, however, the spiritual is not first, but the natural and afterward the spiritual. Right now we're in this natural body, right? The first man was on the earth, made of dust, right? So he's referring back to Adam here, and we're talking about Adam and Jesus here, right? So the first man was on the earth, made of the dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven, okay? The spiritual, Jesus, the fleshly, the carnal, Adam, you, me, okay? As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. That's you and me. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, like Adam, you, me, Adam and Eve, all of us, right? We shall 
we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. We will be like Christ. Again, right now, we're not there. Right now, we're still in this fallen state, fallen body, right? Now, this I say, brethren, in verse 50, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. So in other words, this body as we now have it, that is corruptible, will not inherit inherit incorruption. He says, I'm going to tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed, right? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. I mean, that should make you say hallelujah. (laughs) Praise be to God, we are going to be changed and we will ever be with him. This pain-ridden body, this life that we now know it, it's all going to be done away with, okay? For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. That's when that's going to happen, right? Death will be swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's victory over sin in Jesus Christ. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. You must be in Christ. To be in Christ means you believe on him. You believe in him and who he is and that he died for your sin, that you are a sinner in need of a savior and that Jesus is the one that was the propitiation or the substitute for your sin and he took the punishment for your sin and that he was buried and that again, that oh so important event he rose from the dead and now he ever lives and someday he is coming again this is the gospel message do you believe it then commit your heart to it commit your life to it repent turn around stop going in the direction you've been going where it's been all about you and all about what you want and what you desire and turn to the living god therefore my beloved brethren be steadfast Okay, again, he's talking, he's saying, he's taking him back to that message that we talked about all the way back. Let me go back here. Scroll up here. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you in verse one, which also you received and in which you stand. He's saying, look, this was the gospel I preached to you and you stand in it. And all the way down here in verse 58, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. Steadfast in what? That gospel. Paul preached Christ and him crucified. And that's what it's all about. Be immovable, he says. Always abounding. This is Horton. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Again, people are watching you. People around, like he said earlier, right? Don't sin. Walk in righteousness. Do what's right. You have the spirit of the Lord in you. 
right? You can yield to the leading of the Spirit. So you need to be abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Again, you can't believe in vain. You can't give up. You can't turn away. You can't turn back to your sin. You need to be steadfast. You need to be immovable in the work of the Lord. You receive the gospel, stay in it. Stay the course. Keep pressing on in the Lord. So that's chapter 15 of the book of 1 Corinthians. Let me look at the comments over here. Howdy from Texas, Casual Carver. What's up, brother? Thank you for being here. Love that grace of God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for your love and your grace, Lord, in our lives. We know the truth of the word of God. And once again, I just exhort you and I encourage you to stay in the scriptures yourself, to stay in Christ, to fix your eyes on Jesus. And uh, we will see you next time, Lord willing, if it be as well. I'll probably go live again on Wednesday night um, if I'm available to do so. But yeah, stay in the scriptures, uh, make it a habit in your life, make it a practice in your life. Seek the Lord, seek the Lord with your whole heart. But God bless, we will see you next time.